Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan. There is no Fergus Craig this week, but there is Dave Watson. Hello, Dave. Hi, hi Paul. Hi. I'm, I miss Fergus. Dad's I just miss him so much. I just don't know when he's going to be back. Fergus, for the listeners, is in Florida at the moment. Presumably at Mar-a-Lago, trying to get more, <laughs> more far-right funding for his next scheme. <laughs> He's got but, a similar hairstyle to Trump. Yeah. I think, is it a coincidence Fergus leaves the country and we win a game by two goals for the first time in recent memory? Well, of, of all of us, he's the most, he takes the most pleasure of our, like, what, what did he call it? Punctured hubris. Yeah. So, so when he, when he's not around, maybe the the team you know, can can express themselves a bit more without that fear of his criticism. <laughs> he's essentially saying the Newcastle team have gone. That fucker's gone. Let's put it. <laughs> it could happen. The shackles are off. And I, what yeah. a performance, Dave! Newcastle I three, mean, Everton one. So it's like it's our best performance under Eddie Howe. And individually, I think um, a few of the players had their best performances for us. Certainly, like I mean, I mean I'm not going to count the debutants, but like Willock was fucking brilliant. Trippier had his best game, even though he'd already set a high standard. St. Maximum best game under Eddie Howe. Like I could go through them one by one, but let's talk about the first two goals because it was quite a bizarre pair of goals. So it was who was the <laughs> Who was Holgate. The Holgate. So the first one was a Lascelles own goal assisted by Holgate. And then mm. about 90 seconds later, a Holgate own goal assisted by Lascelles. I was so nervous before this game started. It was the most sinking feeling I've had in ages when that goal went in. Because it, I don't know about you, my nerves were shot about three days before this game. I, was, I couldn't I, function. So I'd gone through the, the almost like, because um, I've, I've had like a, a, a habit of 
of ch- like almost like um, check checking myself before before so I don't get too excited or too nervous about something just like balls, balls in the hand kind of check yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, but just like things things like um, so when I when I first bought this this house, I was like. Okay, let's just not get too excited about the bid that we put in, and don't worry if we don't get it, and it's all fine. And then when we did get it, I was able to enjoy it. And you know, I, I, I like I try and ride that middle ground and not get too excited or too depressed. This I was like, if we win, great, but there's no pressure. There's plenty of other games going on. Twitter was going like, this is it. This is the pivotal game of the season. After the fact, I can now say. This was the pivotal game of our season. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but as well, was after massive... going behind, you sort of, in the past, that's the sort of game where the heads would have dropped. I think it was quite, Kieran Trippier's role in not letting that happen looked huge to me. He was the one straight away. I mean, he seemed to be taught, after we'd equalised as well, he seemed to be the one telling us, he just seems to spend half his time with the pitch telling players to calm down. And the other mm. half just flying into tackle. I, <laughs> I don't think I've liked a player like Trippier for a long time. He's, he's um, I think I saw some like fan cam or something, and a guy said he's been going to the game, like going to watch Newcastle for fifty years, and uh, Kieran Trippier is the best right back he's ever seen. Even though he's only played like oh. how many games? Like four or five games for us now. Um, that that is the, very the, very hard on Emil Craft. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, I was obviously watching the game but I also had Twitter on at the same time and one of the journalists said that the the reaction to the opening goal wasn't like resignation it was defiance from the crowd the crowd almost were like you're not going to fucking spoil today we are going to have a good game of football now and they roared him back. I've no doubt that Kieran Trippier picking up the ball and telling the two two players who were you know nestled in the back of the net, "Get up, let's go, come on!" And like you say, like I think it's the shortest gap between own goals being scored for um, like the opposite side, the, the the two teams, the shortest gap between them in Premier League history. That's huge. That's a huge. That's, that's massive. <laughs> that's, that's amazing the other player was... who I think is we have to give a lot of praise for controlling the atmosphere and making sure nerves didn't get carried away weird I do mean this as well was Jordan Pickford I think if you think how nervous that crowd could have been but there was one focal point to just mm. scream at for the first half I think if it hadn't been for him there would have been a lot more nervous energy carried around that stadium it's it's because they could smell blood. Because every yeah. time, every time Pickford's played at Sheffield Park, he's had a shitter. There's just something. Actually, there was one game where um, where Everton dropped him for, yeah. the, for the Newcastle game, and that was the one game that was played behind closed doors. Maybe <laughs> just the stadium. <laughs> and I, I think some of the best trolling of a player. I've ever seen someone dressed as a dinosaur behind him. His sister with his little arms. There were consistent chance of he's only got little hands, little arms, you know. But um, yeah, Pick, Pickford was the focal point for our eye uh, until Deli Ali came on the pitch, and then there were two yeah. villains of the piece 
and because he was just spoiling for a fight. Him. Well, have you seen um, the rumours about after the game? Where oh, about Joe Linton. Allegedly, he sort of picked a fight with Joe Linton, who floored him, and then Chris Wood tried to break it up. Deli Ali had a go at Chris Wood, who then floored him again. <laughs> I think that that might be sort of Twitter hyperbole, but I really hope that's true. He just seems like a proper. Yeah. At least he used to be a talented arsehole. Now he just seems like an arsehole arsehole. Mm. Um, but I wanted to mention that our equaliser, the the corner from Trippier was genuine quality, yeah. and the movement for the cells to to get that essentially a free header. That was great as well. I think that's that's a that's something that I was hoping for from Howe because a lot of people spoke about how good he is at organising set pieces. And I think we saw it in the in the in that equaliser. It was just it was really well done. And Lascelles is unlucky in a way that it came back off the crossbar. Yeah, and imagine a six foot seven inch Dan Burn in there as well. <laughs> yeah. we, we do look like a set piece threat now. Yeah, because I mean, you've got you haven't just got Dan Byrne, Lascelles, Chris Wood. You've also like you've got players who can be a threat from set pieces by occupying space in the in the eighteen yard box and just outside. Because we've got threats like Ryan Fraser and uh, John Joe Shelby from the edge of the box. You've got players like Joe Willock who can attack. I'm getting carried away. I know I one am. player who I think it is fair to say wasn't a goal threat in one specific incident is oh Joe Linton. <laughs> which we can laugh now, but at one all, we just think we never. This is just isn't going to happen. So if, so, if you've so, somehow not seen it, I don't know how anyone can't have done. The ball comes through a crowd to Joe Linton basically unmarked in the penalty area. He can't mm. quite get his foot in. <laughs> he sort of stumbles, kicks it into his own head, <laughs> and then the chance. I just, it, it took me a few times to realise he kicks the floor, and in so doing, it like, it skips the ball up, and he's already falling over, so he clocks himself in the head. But Jesus, that kid. If Honestly, if he just stepped out of the way, Chris Wood was there to put it away. Or to, yeah. I mean, yeah, gifted to the keeper. He had a he had a few chances. Um, I don't think he was particularly unlucky with the offside goal because he was comfortably offside. Yeah. And yeah, um, he had a couple of opportunities that he just put into Pickford's hands, but um, he, he held up the ball okay. Like I'm not. Yeah, I said I said ages ago that he's a bang average Premier League striker. And he's proving that, you know, he's not. He's, I think, he's I think gonna what be the threat. game, what the Everton game showed for Chris Wood, it's not so much just about goals with him. Like if Callum Wilson has an off day, then we don't really have a threat. If Chris Chris Wood might not hit the target, but still wins a lot of aerial duels, makes space for players genuinely running mm. in behind him. And now we've got Fraser. Like Fraser was in for the second goal. Fraser's in the six-yard box. When's the last time we had a winger in the middle of the six-yard box? No, I, I, and he wasn't alone in there. There were because um, when some, I mean, a couple of things. Credit to Willock for chasing down the ball and then having the wherewithal to give it across to like to find Wood. 
would to give it to Joe Linton, Joe Linton drives a little bit into the box and then releases some maximum, that burst of pace to, to accelerate even more than, you know, he's already gone fast. And then to get the ball in, and I think it was Wood and Fraser in the centre. Mm-hmm. And if anybody deserves, like, a bob- one bobbled in his ass, it was Wood. But Fraser took it instead, so... Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, because we've sort of got used to it, it's easy to gloss over just how good St. Maximin was. If he'd mm. been a new sign-in and that was his debut, can you imagine what the reaction would be? We'd be going out of our minds. Well, there would have been penises helicoptered all over the stadium. It would have been... That is <laughs> Although... all the game was missing. We had a dinosaur, we had Joel Linton kicking himself in the face. We just needed some helicopter and it would have... It would have been a, a DVD worthy game. I had a I had a sh- like a brief um argument with a, a Newcastle f- friend of mine. And he, he's got he's the kind of guy that um when we had Robert didn't like him because he didn't track back, never took to I don't know, Perez, never took he, he'd always got to find somebody skillful that he he just doesn't give a lot of credit to. Is this he was complaining? <laughs> he was complaining that um St. Maximum didn't uh, didn't pull the ball back. I think he had a couple of, certainly one in like the 91st minute or something for Bruno. Um, he didn't pull the ball back and he took the shot himself. And he's like, he's so greedy and he does this all the time and all the rest of it. I was like, he, he's he got an assist. He laid it on for Joe Linton to like side foot into an, side foot in like an easy chance. He's laid it on. Yeah, I think his um, expected assists was something like two or three. Now that's massive in a game, um, so I don't get the criticism of some maximum saying that he's a greedy player and all the rest of it when he still creates more than any other player on our pitch. Yeah, and like genuine, all you've got to do is put it away. Like he, I creates... think there's games where that criticism has applied with him, but I think the only criticism that I had was again the sort of not going down too easily, but getting up too slowly more in the first half. Mm. And I, I'm coming round to I, all I can see is Andy Murray now because of Fergus. <laughs> Whenever St. Maxman's <laughs> limping around, but um, the the second goal, yeah, Fraser's was good. But let's just take a, oh. a moment to enjoy the third. I mean, at, at a point where I was starting to get like properly nervous, yeah, because they were beginning to get more into the game and. <clears throat> It actually came not long after um, one of their lads, I think it was Alan, who went through St. Maximum. Um, Trippier didn't like took like took offense to that and just it set off like a brief period of about 30 seconds where every single opportunity we had, one of our lads just went fucking through there. Yeah. And it was like, all right, if we, if you want to boil it down to a physical contest, we'll have yours. And then we go up the other end. Again, Alan takes out um, Fraser. And oh, Trippier, to have that in his... Oh, man. Yeah. I'm tumescent. And credit to Fraser as well for effectively what was the assist. We sort of talked mm. about where our goal threat's going to come from. And it feels like he's been getting better under Howe. And now that goal threat that he's had before at Bournemouth seems to be coming through. Mm. Excited, there was a there was a video of him um, 
being interviewed, I think, by the club. And he was talking, they asked him, like, oh, are you playing your best football at the minute? Like, what do you put that down to? And he said that um, he, he refused to criticise the previous uh, regime. But you I could see I... on his face, he was like, it's basically because Bruce is shit. I think he also, to be fair, criticised himself and said I hadn't been playing well enough. But yeah, they're, they're clearly working a lot harder. He said in that interview, they're all like, they're not being rested the day after that game. They're all in tomorrow or today mm. as it is. Yeah, today as it was yesterday. Fucking <laughs> what is it? But yeah, I think um I think he's improved. I think to be honest, I don't see anybody re- regressing under how except for St. Maximum, but then this is on just off the back of St. Maximum's by far his best game for how. Like yeah. I, everybody else seems to either be plateauing or improving. So I'm, I'm excited to see what comes the next. Only other one. I think as well, one player we've not mentioned who I think needs an honourable mention, Matt Target, who oh, you don't particularly yeah. notice, but just a properly solid left back. You kind of, you realise we've not had that when you see one play 90 minutes and it's like, oh, that's what's meant to happen. <laughs> Why <laughs> well, are the crosses I, just flying in? Well, I didn't, yeah. So there was a couple of occasions where he stopped the cross at source and I was like, oh, yeah. That's what they're supposed That's to the do. Thing. But then, it, like you're saying, he, I didn't really notice him, not in the same way as I noticed Trippier, but that's because what he was doing was providing the platform from which St. Maximum was able to attack. Like St. Maximum was much higher up the pitch than he has been in the past. And I think that Target was quite happy to win the ball and, and pass it on. I do think that he might get frustrated if St. Maximum doesn't like consistently fails to pass him on the overlap because Target did get past him a couple of times and was in a decent position for a cross and St. Maximum cut inside. I think there needs to be an agreement that like, yeah. all right, like just one out of every five. But I think with a, with even an ordinary winger in front of him, you would say that's going to take a few games to work out and understand in. If it's yeah. possible to work out an understanding of St. Maximin, which <laughs> seems hard because he doesn't seem to know where he's going to go. Then Did you see the... the, um, see. the uh, so after the game, <laughs> Maximin, like, all, he must have been like doing it in the car on the way home or something. He tweeted out to an oh, Everton yeah. fan who, who, who'd replied to him ages ago, like from fucking Jack, like early January or something, had said, well, you're average or something like that. And Sir Maximum said that average was good enough tonight. It's like, I like that amount of yeah. that vinegar. I like that. Good bit of pettiness. I don't think there's yeah. much more to say about that. I mean, we could talk about that game for another hour, but I think that would be stretching even our listeners' enjoyment mm. of Newcastle. So I think we'll take just, a quick break. And let, what just... I was just going to say that um, it was the... The atmosphere, the, the the ground was unreal. It's the best atmosphere I've heard in yeah. in ages, and it was really nice to see um, uh, Amanda Stavely fail to do a handshake. She did one of those like reach out when the person was going to fist bump, and then go for a fist bump, and ended up just looking like rock paper scissors. It's wow. fucking lovely to see that. It's what we all follow the game for. It's what, <laughs> yeah. we, grew up, it's what we grew up loving. 
<laughs> that's what hopefully we'll see every game for the rest of the season. So we're going to take a quick break and then come back and answer your questions and look ahead to the Villa game. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Good break, Dave. Really nice. Thank you. Really, really lovely. That's nice. Just did a bit of like soul searching and just calming exercises, breathing exercises, things like that. Just being in the moment. I heard a piss. We've all all got our ways. (laughs) We're going to move straight on to Twitter questions. John Tilly says, given how bad Everton were, who else do you think is going to get drawn into the relegation battle now if us and Norwich keep picking up points? Well, I'll let you go first, if you like. Well, if you, I think if us and Norwich keep picking up points, is maybe a stretch. It'll be intriguing to see if Norwich's form continues because that's a little bit scary. I think Brentford are definitely getting sucked in the form they're in. Everton, you'd have to say, are sucked. Are Leeds, are they in there, would you say? Well, I would say, so on the Brentford thing, I'd say that, because originally I was looking at them thinking, they should should be okay, but most of the teams below them have got at least two games in hand. Some like, I think Burnley have three games in hand on them. So that six-point cushion, it's not looking quite as fluffy as it did a few days Like. A few weeks ago, um, what about Leeds? I think I think Leeds are safer than Brentford because you know Leeds are managed by Bielsa. Leeds have got pl- big players to come back. I don't know when they're due back, but they are. I've, as far as I know, Phillips isn't out for the season. I think he is due to come back at some point. So you've got these big players to come back, and Bielsa is a damn good coach, and you know. I, They've got Bamford coming back, haven't they? And they've been missing a striker. Yeah, I don't think they so, know when he's coming back. I think he's in a bit of a Callum Wilson situation. Right. So who knows? The, thing that worries, the thing that worries me about Everton is playing them this week. They looked a lot like us in terms of like us at the start of the season. Their approach to mm-hmm. the game looked they look not really up for it. And they've got a similar thing we had to when Bruce left us and when Rafa left them. They're trying to now implement a whole new attacking style. And we've seen how long it's taken for that to start bearing through under Howe. So yeah. I can't see them turning it around quickly. I think that the biggest issues for Everton are the, the, the players that they've brought in aren't necessarily the, the what what their side was lacking because they had yeah. plenty of attacking talent like Townsend, Demar Gray, Richarlison. You know, they've got talented attackers. What they needed was somebody to control the midfield because I think Gomez and Allen were, were bossed by Joe Linton, Willock and, and, um, and Shelby. I just, I think that Everton are in trouble and the only way I can see them getting out of it is by players like Deli Ali just just fancying it in a big game and, and, and you know 
relying on their natural ability to get them through games. I don't there's have a, a lot of faith in Lampard. There's a spot, Dave. I'm going to take you off the fence and put you on the spot. Who's going down? Well, three names. Well, I think Watford definitely. I'd say Burnley and probably Norwich. Yeah. I think I could see Burnley or Norwich being replaced by Brentford as well. Burnley now, because we've taken their out-of-form striker and given them £25 to buy a much cheaper, seemingly better striker. (laughs) Although that's harsh on Chris Wood. He did have a decent game. But their their new guy does look quite tasty. He looks good, but then... um... I, th- I said it before that I don't think having a reliable striker was Burnley's problem. I think Burnley's problem is that they they don't win a lot of games. And for all Weghorst is a is a good striker, um, I still think that they don't control the midfield. I think that they are uh, they are um, they're vulnerable to teams who can pass it around. I mm. think that. They are like certainly they can be prone to um, like their physicality. Dave, I'm gonna have to stop you. I don't care enough about Burnley to discuss, okay, fine. To discuss yeah. how they play. Yeah. No, <laughs> Sean Morgan asks what percentage of the last two wins are down to the opposition being awful versus how's training and philosophy taking hold? I think the Leeds one we had a sort of immediate counter to that yesterday when we saw them drawing three all with Villa. They're a defensively poor team, but they're not awful. And the fact we held them to a clean sheet, I would say, is fairly decent. What do you think? I'd agree with that. To, to answer the question, I'd say that how's improvements to us have meant that we've been in a position to take advantage of teams who are playing poorly previously under Stephen Bruce. We even Even against that, like... That leads or that Everton side, I wouldn't have expected to see performances like we saw. So a bit of both. And I know he's asking for a percentage, so I'll say 60-40 in favour of how. Wow. We do like our percentages on this part, don't we? How much do we like them? What what percentage? 45-55 for me. All right. I, yeah. I'm on the other way. What? else have we got well i wanted I to think, mention that it, sorry, sorry go, go for it dave i was just going to say that like what what's really important in my head is the that that win not only did it take us out of the, the bottom three but all the other teams around us kind of like i hope will remind the our players that the rest of the rest of that group are shit like the rest of those teams are shit and we're shit but we can win and I hope that like gives them a bit of all those little soft victories, a good performance and a win. Like it gives you like optimism, carries some momentum, two wins on the bounce for the first time this season. I think we're the only side in the bottom three or four to actually win two two games on on this on the spin. Um, I think that the way that Norwich um, and and Villa dropped two points rather than snatching one point will be damaging to their morale. So there's lots of things that I can take from that win, not just the three points and the three goals. 
Yeah. No, I agree. It's sort of the Leeds one, it felt like maybe we rode our luck a bit, but the Everton one, that was first half was tighter, but second half we were dominant. We hit the post as well. We could have could and should have had mm. four. So think, oh, the chance for Murphy, yeah. Yeah. Who's he's and got honestly, that in the, him. Yeah, the chance for Brute like we didn't talk about. Well, I think we'll come on. We'll probably come on to Bruno when we talk about. Actually, that might be a good time to get onto the Villa game because we have had Chris Sugar at Sugar Wookie has asked, "Do we trust Shelby to be able to contain Coutinho this weekend without bringing his axe out and getting a red card, or does Bruno start?" This feels like the big selection question. Like Bruno has to come in at some point. Do we change the system to bring him in, or does he just replace one of that three? Um, I think because Willock had his best game, Joe Linton had another decent game in, in in that role. Shelby, he was actually pretty decent defensively, but I would expect Bruno to be better than him. Weirdly, yeah, um, Willock and Joe Linton both made far more tackles than Shelby, even though Shelby's playing at sort of that that deep line role in front of the back four. But then Shelby's mm. the better passer of the three. It seems like skill set wise, Bruno feels like more of a replacement for Shelby than either of the yeah. other two. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I would be tempted to introduce Bruno gently, partly because it's a new, you know, it's 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 a new league. Um, partly you say that, because... Dave, but then let's look at what he did in three minutes against Everton. <laughs> I think there was something that he made a key pass, quite a few tackles. He got a higher who scored rating than about five Everton players who played 90 minutes. <laughs> it was a three-minute cameo. Yeah, I get that. But I also think there could be value in like keeping keeping a winning side together as, as much as you can. And but say say it's like it's nil-nil and we're kind of labouring and we're not getting, you know, St Maxwell's not getting any joy or whatever, and we're labouring. And then in the 50th, the 60th minute, then we bring on Bruno. Lifts the entire crowd. There's this new bit of energy and all the rest of it. So, like, speaking from a mentality point of view, it might, because there's no, there's, there'd be nothing wrong with with how choosing as much as he can the, the side that beat Everton. As, as a starting lineup, just I don't think I, I think you can make a very strong argument for like we don't mess with a winning formula, and yeah. then introduce Gumieres earlier. Um, the only player that he has to drop is Target, which is a concern. Yeah. But yeah, I, think, I, I could see. I mean, Manquillo's cameo against Leeds makes me think. I would rather have Manquillo covering at left back than Richie's probably the only other fit option, isn't he? Yeah, and I like I wouldn't fancy Richie. I just wouldn't fancy him anymore. No. I just I think he's useful to have around the club, and maybe his utility, his versatility, is useful off the bench. But no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't want to start him. I would have Mankio and Trippier ahead of Richie at left back. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think so, the only thing with Shelby, in terms of does well, or where Bruno comes in in that position, you sort of deep line midfielder. It's one of those positions like centre back where you don't tend to get subbed off unless you're injured because it's too 
too pivotal to, too pivotal to how you build up the game. Hmm. But I think it, I think he has to start soon. I'd like to see him start against Villex. I think I think he'd be a a good upgrade on Shelby. I think he'd be better mm-hmm. in the position Joel Linton's playing than Joel Linton. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to see Willock drop just because the improvement that's coming. We're going to need Willock to start getting goals to some yeah. degree, and he's one of the but, he's more capable of that than Joel Linton. I think we can yeah. definitely agree. I absolutely agree with that. I think that um, if if you're going to drop anybody from the from the lineup for Bruno, it has to be in my eyes. It has to be Shelby. But I think you could you could get away with exactly the same um, starting lineup, and I'd be all right with that because it makes sense. It's like there is a very good reason why you're doing this because you won the last game. Yeah, well, you even do four two three one with Bruno and Shelby at the base, and then Willock or Joel Linton and number ten. Yeah, but I don't think either of the Joel Linton or Willock have done anything to deserve. Being oh no way, Joel Linton kicked himself in the face with the football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Um, but I think as well. I just think sort of stats yeah. wise, Joel Linton and Willock both had a better game than Shelby. Shelby's been yeah. good. Shelby also could easily have been sent off in that game. He still seems yes. to have that in him. So I would yeah. feel safer with Bruno where Shelby is. But I think it's. It's one of the few times in his Newcastle career where dropping John Joe Shelby would feel harsh. Yeah, yeah. And I've never been a massive John Joe Shelby fan. You hate him. I do. I can't I, stand I just, him. Well, what he did to Harry Potter. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. It was, that, that was a low-hanging fruit. But, uh, <laughs> well, you ate it. Yeah, I <laughs> it all up. No, I think... Um, I think the Villa game will be interesting because apparently, well, they've definitely got Concert out and uh, Coutinho was a doubt, but I think he's like 75% likely to play. Um, And there was somebody else whose name, I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody else that they might be missing. Um, It's, I don't know, with with Aston Villa, they, they haven't beaten us at St. James's Park since 2005. Um, so maybe we're a bit of a bogey ground for them. I think it'll be another good atmosphere. One, th- I'm not feeling the same level of existential dread as I was against in the build-up to the Everton game. Yeah. This feels like one where, because we've got those last two wins in the bag, you sort of think a draw or a loss and playing well will feel like there's still some kind of momentum. I think. I think the worst thing would be just reverting back to how we were about five games ago but there's just there seems to be so much improvement across the board i'm i'm looking forward to a game of football <laughs> it's so weird every up is down black is white it just doesn't well, none of this makes sense but then we've got another weekend where quite a few of the the other fixtures are, are are like leaning to a position that we can take advantage of like norwich are, hosting Man City so you'd expect Norwich not to get anything from the game I know it's football and anything can happen Burnley are at home to Liverpool you've got um, who else you've got you've got Watford and Brighton well that's 1-1 written all over it and then Everton and Leeds which again it could go either way Um, and Brentford Crystal Palace so you've got like 
you have like if I don't know if if um, if Everton had someone like if Everton had Crystal Palace or Everton had Southampton or something, I could see like Everton getting back back out of it. If Norwich had Crystal Palace or Southampton, you could see them making a case for. I mean, Norwich took a point off Crystal Palace or gave up. I mean, yeah. they nearly lost it. I mean, did you see Zaha's penalty? No, I've heard about it. <laughs> Probably the worst penalty I've ever seen. Is absolutely. I mean, he jokes about it afterward, but oh man, it was. But Norwich are picking up points. I don't feel like I can rely on Palace to do us any favors at the minute. They seem, they seem a very hot and cold team who don't have a lot to play for already. Yeah, but then they're not on the beach, table. but they're they're on the bus to the beach. <laughs> you reckon? Being, yeah, and the coach is being driven by John Carver. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know I, I just I think this is a weekend like if we could get another three points I think we, we could find ourselves in a position where all the other teams around us like none of the other teams around us sorry pick up a, a win and that could mean that our one point gap on uh, the, the relegation zone stretches to four or stretches to you know two or three like whatever yeah I, I just fancy I fancy a win could be, it could be like the, not the straw that broke the camel's back. Or, I, I can't think of a, a good idiom, but like it could be it dead could good. It could burst the dam. Yes. But I think as well, controversially, I'd like us to win as well. I think it would be good. I would, I'd, li- I'd like to see us win this game. Where are your morals now, you fucking hypocrite? <laughs> I did. Feel, I did feel a bit pathetic getting outraged at Kurt Zuma kicking a cat, considering my own moral situation with fucking Yemen at the minute. <laughs> but did you see? And this life. is this is murky waters for two like white middle class men to wade into. But did you see Michael uh, Michael Antonio's car window interview? Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure. We should talk about it. it. No, I don't mind. No, I think. I think there was a valid point in what he, he was, was trying making, to make, yeah. But it's a point that no one's ever going to hear because they're just <laughs> going to be like, why are you making this point? The man drop kicked a cat and you're yeah. trying to make it about racism. But I think he had a legitimate point about moral outrage. But I don't think that's unique to Premier League footballers. I think Britain as a nation, when it comes to animal cruelty, holds that a lot higher than human cruelty if it's something we can't see and it's across yeah. the world or it's people who live in sand who suddenly don't <laughs> give a shit. That's the sort of horrible truth of it. Well, like Jawas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, that's all the big issues covered, I think. What's your prediction for Sunday? Oh, for all I think it would be amazing, I'm going to go for a 1-1. Just, I just think that we can't have nice things. I think we can have nice things. And I think we're going to have nice things. I'm going to go 2-0. I would, I would eat that slice of pie happily. Um, very happily. I don't believe it, but I'd like it to happen. <laughs> I think Fergus would, um, because of the overall positivity around the club right now, he would predict a two 0 loss. Just to yeah. you know, I think all the natty usual one one. 
But oh, am, am I just saying one-one because I don't want to jinx it, or do I actually think it's going to be? No, I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's. I, I think the point that was made earlier on Twitter is a good one. I would much rather see an untested Bruno shackling Coutinho than John Joe Shelby. Oh Jesus! Yeah, that's fair. And I think we will. Uh, I think Bruno will start. I don't know if it'll be in place of Shelby, Joel Linton or Willock. But I'm excited. I'm not scared of football. I think even I think, if we lose, it's not going to ruin the weekend. And the following I think week. for the, yeah, for the first time in ages, we've got a right back of genuine quality. We've got, like, we, we didn't even see Dan Burns, so we don't know if he's no. going to start against Villa. Um, We've got like a, a central midfielder that everybody's spaffing in their pants about. We've got an attacking midfielder who is one of the most, I don't know, dangerous players in the Premier League because you Joel don't know Linton. what he's going to do. You don't, Joel, Joel, you don't know which yeah, part of his body he's going to hit with his shots. But we've got like throughout the throughout the squad now, I think we've got a lot more quality. Yeah, and and suddenly and Ryan Fraser feels like better. Someone who can chip in with goals and assists. Yeah. And it feels weird to be like this positive. I, I, I still don't think it's, it's really sunk in yet. No. And it might take, we could get hammered 4 0 and be back in the relegation zone and suddenly think, oh shit, it's back yeah. to this again. But I think that that, if you can't that enjoy, if you can't enjoy a 3 1 victory over Everton, and Jordan Pickford getting taunted by a man in a dinosaur suit, then you can't enjoy life. And I, I pity you. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's everything. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that we need to cover. Oh, well, hopefully Fergus. Oh, yeah, Shearer's statue is getting moved back into the ground, isn't it? Or yeah. onto club land. Yeah. Oh, that's good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, again, if Fergus was here, he'd be he's he's anti like statues and flags and those kind of things. So he'd be grumpy about it. But I think it's quite nice. I think we get a few more statues. But I think as well, it's like a statue's being moved from somewhere to somewhere else, (laughs) somewhere close to the ground to somewhere on the grounds, like. On the Dave Watson rip your cock off amateur, it's it's not even take your belt off. <laughs> no. Level yeah. of excitement. <laughs> I think we can wrap it up there. So thank you very yeah. much, Dave Watson. Cheers, Paul. I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. you don't get this with Fergus. Please, I appreciate you too, Dave. Thanks, man. Let's hug. Right, and thank you. you to you, the Natalist. Oh, this is awkward now. Thank you to you, the Natter listener. I like you too. I like spending time with you too, actually. And goodbye. Bye-bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 